Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Escape from Plan A. This is the Chris and Liza crew. Uh, Liza, it's been it's been a little while since it was just you and me, but I was I was really enjoy our episode, so I'm glad to be here with you. Yeah, it's been a while. I think we haven't done anything together since what spring. It's been a while since I've even podcasted anyway. Yeah, I mean, summer is kind of. I feel like it's a podcast black hole. It just summer is all... so busy. Every time it... you guys scheduled um, an episode recording, I was like, never. It was never a time that was where I would be around. Right, and I, I think it's ultimately a good thing. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of sad if uh, we had nothing better to do than to to pod? Um, throughout well, our summers, there was that but... one summer that everybody was home like all the time. Yes, true. And that was like the one summer of 2020 that everybody like I never left the house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and listeners, uh, we are very aware that we missed our bonus pod this past week. Uh, we're very sorry. The, the week was just very busy for everyone. I promise we will make up uh, that episode and you know we're good for it because Liza, remember when we missed, I think it was a bonus episode on Thanksgiving and then months later, we made up, we made it up. We did. Like, mm-hmm. we don't forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't forget. Uh, we, we made it worth are... your while because we definitely had an interesting topic. It was, we always do. All right, Liza, you and I, uh, what's up on deck for us? We're going to, we're going to discuss a, a bunch of stuff, but we're going to lead off with The Little Mermaid because, <laughs> I mean, this, this is just too good. Like, I, I was just so waiting for this to come out. I mean, like the whole trailers of when it was first announced i think it was first announced the casting uh, a couple of years ago and i was just like they were setting up for a controversy they were they were definitely race baiting everybody and like they were they were race baiting everyone they were pissing off like their their fan base um people who are fans of the original source material they you know they they knew what they were doing and um I don't even know if there truly is a controversy, but let's talk about the so-called controversy that they have tried to manufacture because where there, where there is a controversy, there shouldn't be one. So let's focus on the parts where there actually should be a controversy, but first we'll go over the whole thing. Yes. Anyway, when they announced this, I was just like, Oh no, this is going to be so bad because I mean like the little mermaid, if it, like if you want to do a swirling romance, like interracial romance type of thing, the Little Mermaid is, I think, easily the worst story you could do this for. Because, yeah, you could say every fairy tale has a little bit of that, you know, the, the girl just dreams of being married and um, yeah, the message is, uh, you know, the, the richer and hotter the guy she marries. The, basically, like, mission, her life's mission is accomplished. You can criticize that about a lot of fairy tales. But The Little Mermaid goes, like, way beyond that. She gives up her voice she uh, gets legs. Her family. I guess, so, she, so she can basically have sex with the, I mean, prince. I mean, that that's it, if that's not explicit, that's very implicit. She gives, gives up, her, up whole her family. Yeah, betrays her race or species, yeah. I guess, more accurately. And and, and 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 I guess if you if you just race bent every role, then whatever. Let's say that the prince was Indian and the and the mermaid was black and 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 uh, Flandre was a white dude. Like, okay, sure, whatever. But the fact that he seems to still be like European noble nobility or, or actually royalty. And I know she is Haley black- Bailey is playing the um, Ariel, but who is playing pr- the prince? Some British dude, uh, some like CW 
kind of guy. So they kept him white. They didn't race. He's also him. British, so I, I, I'm gonna guess he's gonna have a posh <laughs> British accent. Right. Uh, and well, yeah, that's that's where the controversy should be is right there. Like race right, bend the right. whole thing then. Right, right. Okay, so let, let's get the stupid controversy out of the way, uh, which I guess is I, I saw some people debating. Uh, this is how stupid it gets. I saw people debating how actually since she lives underwater. Um, her skin would naturally be dark. And then some people say, no, it would naturally be pale and stuff. And I'm like, look, do you know how hideous those underwater creatures are? I mean, Liza, you've seen those, you've seen those like creatures that live in the, in the, the Marianas Trench and everything. Like They're the like the ugliest. <laughs> yeah. The angler fish, the, 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 those huge arrays. I forgot what, I forgot what they were called. They're called. Sturgeons. Um, are they deep sea? No, I they think they feed off the kinda, bottom, aren't they? Aren't they bottom right, feeders? Right, but, but yeah, but I think sturgeons just live at the bottom of a lake and things like that. I would, you would not want to see a real scientific deep sea mermaid. He or she would be. She'd deep. be a manatee. Well, that too, yeah. <laughs> or would be this like spindly, seven foot long, like giant or praying mantis like looking thing. Yeah, yeah. total monster. So I mean, there's like stupid thing. I, I'm sure there's some guys that are saying like oh she's ugly or whatever well no like her looks are not a problem like very beautiful girl like that, that's not really a problem and i don't know i guess they, they really wanted um i can't even think of like a famous young redheaded actress uh like like sophie turner like, may, maybe uh i i was thinking like if if isla fisher were like ha- like you know 20 years younger maybe they want they would want someone like her uh, i mean she's i mm-hmm. think in her 40s now wouldn't really work but so if they have their like redhead fetish and and you know Ariel was always like the most sexualized of the Disney princesses so you know if a even bunch even more of, than Jasmine, um, okay, but I guess Jasmine's not the star of her own movie so that's a little different but no you're right actually in terms of pure, uh, sexiness I guess Jasmine would be uh, also I think Jasmine is implied to be older, um so you know Ariel is sixteen explicitly sixteen in the in the movie so that's a little um a barrier but anyway so yeah if a bunch of like basement perverts really wanted their like 16 year old redhead sexy mermaid like whatever like get lost we don't care about that is that really who's complaining about the casting of this movie or are they just making up complaints and then there are none no i I think a decent amount of of angry guys out there like uh you know i i want to like jerk off to real life ariel and I don't want to do that if she's black. Like that is, you know, I, I think there are some people like that out there. But as we said, that's the bullshit reason to be like to this movie. And now let's get to the more legit reason, which is that, okay, so like we've been told for so long that The Little Mermaid, especially like the Disney version, is this backwards thing that tells little girls that uh, they should give up everything. Uh, just just to get the attention of a boy and and she'll do it and then that's happily ever after for her this is all uh, misogynistic patriarchal uh bullshit and especially like princess culture i remember you know kind of like especially like 10-ish years ago the whole thing about it being destructive to, to to little girls but but now a black girl gets cast in a story which i i doubt they're gonna really try to change that much I, I'm, I'm sure they're going to try to punch it up with some girl powerness but the fundamental story will remain the same you know we all know well, that the the sanitized disney version because 
you and I both read the original Hans Christian Andersen tale, and yeah, I just the Disney it version is totally different from the original tale. The original tale, because it has such a dark ending, actually has a good lesson and a good story. Like a- right, right. Well, I was gonna say, let's get to the real story a little bit later, but I, I just want to talk about this just very con- very muddled and contradictory message that gets sent when you're you spend like the last 20 years railing against the little mermaid for being a prime example of uh you know just kind of like mentally caging young girls and now uh a black girl gets to be in the spotlight gets to be the princess and now suddenly the tables are turned and i think it just comes at, it just points out the fundamental just confusion with with these like social progress and social justice movements in which what do they really care about? The purported principles or uh, the opportunity to kind of be the, the, the like the it girl or, or it the, boy. The, and the princess. The princess, right. you know. Or, you what know, they're saying, the message that we're, they're sending right now is that princess culture is not backwards and it's not sexist. It's just that white girls don't deserve it. Our exactly. non-white daughters are the ones who deserve princess culture. Right. It's, it's like it was bad because... Um, because it was, it was white girls as the princesses. Right. It was spoiling them and, and all that. And what was wrong with princess culture is not that, you know, aspiring to be a princess and all that is bad. It's that it was too concentrated in the hands of the privileged, which, in other words, white girls. White. And they probably even specifically saying thin, able-bodied, all, all the buzzwords. And it's actually the princess culture itself is actually good. What the real as long issue was, as it's non-white girls in it, it has to be distributed black more girls. evenly, right. right? I think this ties into your most recent podcast um, with Teen. Was it last week or the week before about all the performative hatred of the monarchy and Queen Elizabeth II? Like people's mm-hmm. public attitudes, hating the crown and the royals, don't actually match their everyday casual attitudes, which is like. When you want to compliment a woman, you call her queen. If you compliment a man, you call him king. <laughs> that's, that, you know? No, that queen thing is so actually it's like, a, I, a I don't point. think I that it. people don't actually truly hate the monarchy. They don't hate royalty. They hate that the royal family in England is white. Yeah, or not them. Like they, they somehow feel excluded from that circle. And you can tell this because they go gaga goo over Meghan over Markle. Over Meghan Markle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they, they don't call her a sellout for marrying into the royal family. She becomes their hero, their avatar for doing that. So it's it's whatever. Okay, you you wanna you wanna be a part of that? Fine, but you know don't don't hide it. Then you know, don't lie about it. Don't be a hypocrite. That's incredibly irritating, and you deserve to get called out for that. So, but don't all cultures have their own monarchies or like versions of an aristocracy? Like even Philippines, oh, yeah, sure, yeah. which is like it's a tribal culture. We had datus, which were like tribal chiefs equal to sultans. Why does it always mm. have to be Western Euro monarchy? I like. Is it just the aesthetics and the outfits? Because then that means that the Little Mermaid contradicts that because she's basically topless and has a fishtail. Yes, but she will get to wear the the sparkly frilly dresses. Get to go to the oh, I see, I see the Once balls she gets with, with the Viennese waltzes, you know, <laughs> and all that. Um, you know, I, I I I tried looking up the actual story of this live action version. I haven't seen anything yet, but on on I forgot where maybe on Twitter I saw some people saying, "Oh, Ariel." 
uh, is okay being black because the movie is actually going to be set in the Caribbean. And I'm like thinking, wait a minute. If it's in the Caribbean, what Why the can't hell they just is use a European a Caribbean? prince? Right. No, what what is a European prince of that time period doing in the Caribbean? If, is, he is he colonizing a slaver? the place? He's a colonizer. Is he's a slaver. Oh he's my a slave god. Trader. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Also, I mean, oh. every culture that has sea access has a mermaid myth. Like I know that the Philippines has tons of them. For example. Mm-hmm. So if you want a non-white mermaid tale, why is it so hard to just use one of these tales or you can make up your own? You know, mermaids aren't real. You can say anything, you can make it up, and the audience will just go along with it. But that brings us to our next point, which is non-white media rep liberals. They want the white experience. Like that should be the controversy. Our, our culture's mermaid stories aren't good enough. Like Caribbean mermaids, mermaid myths aren't good enough. Filipino mermaid myths aren't good enough. We have to insert our lookalikes into white stories to make us feel better about ourselves. And mm-hmm. that makes me really want to vomit. Yeah, it's they're spot on. And I saw somebody um, tweet something last week about when will uh, black girls get their own princess story or or traditionally animated princess story and somebody brought up the princess the princess and the frog, and which, the frog? Which, which i watched many years ago very good movie i liked it but then people said well she's a frog for most of the time which i which i get but i i i would i think deep down their real problem with it is that it's too contemporary it's um it's not like the castle princess story she's a restaurateur yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, she's in New Orleans. Uh, I think she's running her dad's restaurant. It's a little mm-hmm. too real, urban, gritty. It's not the, you know, princesses and unicorns kind of fantasy that they all secretly want. Do they hate the Brandy Cinderella one? Or is it because it's not animated, it doesn't count? Well, it was specifically animated. But I, I think they might say, well, that one was a little kind of low budget and stuff. Oh my but I think. God. But I, I think, I think deep down the real problem probably is did the white prince wasn't there. You know, you didn't it have was a Filipino prince. Yeah, Filipino. I mean, you know, uh, Paolo Montalban, incredibly handsome man, but still, he's not Prince William. At least, at least the good-looking Prince William from you know ancient history, not the current Prince William. That's the, the unful. <laughs> That's the unfulfilled fantasy that has to be uh, addressed by all these types of stories i wish they would just say it then like just say it yes it's like so obvious it's like fucking just come out and say it (laughs) (laughs) Um, so we can all stop debating all of this and it's like let's just get get to it um yeah i mean just like just just imagine how bad it's gonna look when when Ariel's like running away from her her family (laughs) and like risking everything her father is played by what javier bardem yeah, I guess they couldn't get a black man to play. That would just look way too bad. And I think even they realize, you know, th- this is going to, this is not going to, it's going to be very <laughs> bad optics. But still, it's it's going to be this, this like young black girl just giving up her voice, uh, giving up almost everything, including her her own, own life, potentially. Uh, and I, I'm sure the, 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 the prince is going to be very boring. He's going to have like very little charm or personality. And it's like, 
And I'm sure a lot of black people, especially black men, are going to get upset. And that's going to cause a whole gender war that's already pretty toxic if you've ever been on black Twitter. And it's it's going to I'm going to be very kind of like entertained in a very uh, like cringe way. But it, yeah, it's, it's going to be marvelous. <laughs> But not so the as way far as all wanted. like the media rep, li- the media rep liberal types who champion this kind of like race bent ca- casting, mm-hmm. so are they going to admit now that like it's if it's okay for there to be a black Ariel, then it's perfectly fine for Scarlett Johansson to be cast in Ghost in the Shell. I mean, what's the difference? No, because because of that whole princess culture thing we just talked about, like white girls don't get to. Take but the in Ghost in the Shell, from... she's not she's not a princess. Well, still no. I mean, princess. Uh, I don't. I just met princess culture. Uh, it's like in in the widest sense possible. Princess culture just being who gets to be popular, who gets to be seen, who the gets to girl. be the it girl. Yeah, I see. That's what it comes down to. So yeah, uh, absolutely not. That's not going to be allowed. Um, Eliza, you you had a hot take that I, I want to debate you on. You said the 1989 animated Little Mermaid is not actually a good movie. I don't like that one. It's because the first one that I watched is the 1975 Japanese anime, which I will link here in the show notes. And that stays true to the original Danish tale. I like that one better. I don't like the new ending that Disney gave. It takes away it. The whole message of the story completely changes. If you give it a happy ending, it has to have a sad ending. She learns mm-hmm. her lesson because it's a dark, sad ending. No, in, in case people don't, know the original story why don't you just give a very quick summary of the the hans christian well i'll tell you the ending so in the disney version we see they live happily ever after right and in the original telling of the story she is given a knife from the witch that her her sisters sisters, her sisters went to the witch and they got a knife from her in exchange for all their hair their beautiful flowing long hair. And the Ariel, the little mermaid has to, well, she's not named Ariel in the original tale, but so the little mermaid has to murder the prince in his sleep. After she kills the prince, she will get her fish tail back and she can return to the sea to live eternally under the sea with her family. Because, he, the, I mean, the whole point of her her whole, like, switching species and giving up her voice, like, the prince doesn't love her back. He married somebody else. He was mm-hmm. never going to marry. She was never, it was never intended for her. Okay, so that's the original ending. She doesn't have the heart to do it, and she kills herself. She stabs herself, and she turns into well, sea foam. Well, wait, no, no, she doesn't stab herself. She throws the knife away, and she's going to die because he he now loves someone else. So her only chance uh, to to live is gone. So she just basically like allows herself to dissolve into foam, which she knew she was going to happen. Uh, but yeah, essentially the same thing. So her purpose in doing that changed. It be, you know, after it was realized that the prince doesn't love her back, what she was seeking was not um, a human soul through marriage, but she was trying to gain a human soul through like, good deeds and self-sacrifice. That's the message of the story with that sad ending where she dies is that the story is about, it's about love and self-sacrifice and the dangers of accepting um, 
abuse or inconsiderate treatment all for the name of love. It's actually a good message. That's why it has to have a, an unhappy ending. But now all that happens and Disney gives it a happy ending where she lives happily ever after with the prince. And that, it makes all that, um, it makes everything that she gave up and all that, like what, what Hans Christian Andersen considered inconsiderate treatment and abuse, you know, having to give up your family, having to give up mm -hmm. your voice, having to give up your actual crown, like you are a sea princess, uh, having to give up your whole species. It's it's not supposed to provide you a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. It's not supposed to validate it. Uh, yeah. Right. It's not supposed to validate those choices. Right. So right. at the end of the story in the original tale, she becomes a daughter of the heir and mm -hmm. For 300 years, she will do good deeds, and then she can gain entry into heaven. Hans Christian Andersen, is a, he's a Christian. He's Church of Denmark, which I believe is just the Lutheran church. But mm -hmm. those religious themes gave it a good moral ending. It's a much more powerful lesson. I think it's much more empowering for a woman to hear. Right, right. I, just to backtrack a bit. So in the original story, there's a whole thing about how mermaids don't have souls. Like they live for like 300 years, but for whatever she reason. She wanted a soul, right. Yeah, uh, like humans live shorter, but humans get to live forever. And reading that story, it seemed like she actually wanted that at least as much as the prince. Like she, she wanted, wanted a, a soul, soul, but she wanted to gain it through marriage. But that's like the only way, right, that she knew how to get the love of a human. Because I think her grandmother tells her the only way you can mermaids can get souls is if a human loves them so much that he or she essentially gets bonded, like soul-wise. And mm -hmm. it seemed like uh, the, the Little Mermaid wanted... It wasn't so much she just really found the prince attractive and the wanted to be... The lust for the prince, right. There right. was something deeper. Was, yeah, she wanted to have a soul. And in, in that sense, it's, it's just as much a religious story about finding God and salvation. And yeah, in the end, uh, she realized... Or the story lesson is, yeah, you, you gave up way too much for this. And and this this idiot uh, didn't even realize it was you. In fact, he thinks this princess from another kingdom is the girl who saved him. And there's a part where he tells her, oh, I'm marrying this girl. And I know you'll be so happy for me because you love me so much. And just like, come on, man. Like, can't you tell that she's in love with you? What an idiot. But yeah. Well, it, was and then she doesn't it was an arranged marriage. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's it doesn't work out happily for her immediately. But then presumably she spends like the next few centuries being a daughter of the air, going around, you know, making sure uh, people are taken care of and all that. And she will get ultimately what she wanted, which was a soul, not just to be uh, a queen, which is what mm -hmm. the Disney version makes it seem mm -hmm. like. Yeah. I think that when they take away the religion, the empowerment is all washed away. Right. But but you also know that these kind of uh, media liberal types would find the religious aspect very just gross. And be like, ew, I don't want it to be well, about... That's their problem. I mean, I think yeah. it's I think it's extremely... Um, it's a willful misunderstanding on their part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, I never thought of it that way, the way you put it, where it, it's actually a repudiation of her like rash choices um, and all that. It's, you know, kind of like how Romeo and Juliet is 
if they don't die in the end, then it would validate all the stupid decisions they made. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wouldn't really work. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And it validates like the 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 um the family's hatred for each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said that the Little Mermaid is actually like the worst story to do a swirling romance with. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's. Because like the the heroine's gonna have to degrade herself so much. I mean, according to the Disney <laughs> version, that is. What's another one that would be terrible for like interracial uh, romance? Let's see. I mean, okay, let, let's go through the basics. Uh, Does Snow Beauty White, and the Beast work? I th well, I think the problem with Beauty and the Beast is that the whole like Stockholm syndrome aspect might get worse if you introduce race into it. Although, is the beast white? Um, that's a weird question because <laughs> you're not really going to know uh, or even care. Because, until the okay, end? Until the end. And, and nobody cares about human beast. Like, no, nobody but I mean, that's the whole beast. thing. Like with the Stockholm Syndrome, it becomes like almost like slave play. That's, that's true too, yeah. But I, I think just visually because he won't be racially coded. What is he uh, as a beast? Is he a dog? What is he supposed to be? He's mainly a bison. Oh, he's a bison? He's yeah, because he, he like you can see the shape like he has like the huge like hump and the horns, so he's kind of like a bison crossed with a bear. He has like the paws of like a wolf, I think, just the shape. I thought it was um, a dog. <laughs> no, you know, I mean a wolf, you know, dogish uh, features, I guess. Okay, so l let's start with Snow White. Um, I don't know. Yes, I mean, so the name, the name itself. Yeah, but it is. I but like the prince only shows up at the end. So I don't think it'll really... What are you going to really... call it? Snow Black? <laughs> Snow... I saw this parody and, and this guy call, was going to remake Snow White into Black Ice. <laughs> <laughs> there's already... Um, there's... <laughs> hmm. uh, okay. Okay, what's, uh, what was made... It sounds made like a porn. It sounds like it's going to be a Snow White porn, but like all race bent. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. Uh, there's Sleeping Beauty, which again, like the prince doesn't show up until the end anyway, really. So, uh, oh, fun fact, Prince Philip in The Sleeping Beauty was the first prince to even have lines, I think. I think the Cinderella prince had lines, but he sang. Or maybe, no, and he did have a couple of lines, but. I mean, that would be much. problematic because it's basically a rape fantasy, right? Oh, The Sleeping Beauty. Well, the original, yes. The, uh, I mean, the, like, the original story. The Disney version. Well, maybe these days, if you like kiss a sleeping woman, they'll call you a rapist. But uh, hey, he it becomes had, a it becomes he had, he a had consent, to do it to, to wake her up. Nightmare. Yeah. Okay. What about um, Rapunzel? Is there even a prince in Rapunzel? Yeah. Oh yeah, he yeah, yeah. Climbs oh, yeah, her yeah, yeah. hair. Oh, I got, I got, I got to mix up with Rumpelstiltskin, which there is a prince involved. Like the dad <laughs> sells the, the king sells. The king. Her, oh yeah, the king sells his daughter to the king. By prom yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's messed up in so many ways. But um, anyway, yeah, Rapunzel. Again, I don't really remember the prince being a, a major figure or she's just like kind of stuck in that tower. It's and just two characters. Hair. Yeah, she just has to like weave the um, the straw into gold. Oh, you know what? You know what Rapunzel, you know Rapunzel is going to be great for though, which we, we're going to talk about later. It's going to be great for mommy issues because Rapunzel's mom, remember... Uh, or I guess it's not her mom actually it's, it's the not witch her mom I thought it was like I thought at the beginning of the story there was the young couple and yes, the yes. wife was pregnant and she was craving the radish 
and they, the husband had to keep climbing the wall to steal the radish for his pregnant wife. And then the witch got pissed off and said, fine, I'll forgive you if you give me your, your firstborn. And it turned out to be a girl and she hid her in the tower. And then the, the princess grew her hair really long so that the witch could um, climb up in there. Well, it's not her biological mother, but for all other purposes, it is her mother. The, 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 the girl would not have remembered anybody else. But you've seen Into mm-hmm. the Woods, right? Yeah, with Meryl Streep. The musical. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, that whole thing shows the dynamics between Rapunzel and, and the, um, the, the witch. And the, and the witch has this like song where she's like, you're an ungrateful brat and all that. So, um, yeah, if you want to lay out mommy issues, Rapunzel will be great. Um, oh, speaking but, of mommy issues. Okay, should we transition then? Yeah. Okay, if we have more to talk about Little Mermaid, I'm sure we could go back. But I just wanted to talk about this movie, Amma, because, okay, so Jess, Millie, and I were supposed to do a pod on this. And then Millie and I watched it on our own. And, like, we didn't watch it together. And both of us realized that it was so bad, but also not bad in a fun way that would generate fun discussion it was just kind of like depressingly bad so we decided to put the kibosh on that episode because we you know just was just like I, i'm i'm too discouraged i don't even want to watch this so i wasted two-ish hours of my life watching it so at least i want to get uh you know 10 or 15 minutes of a podcast uh to make it worth my while i would have watched it but chris complained about it so much that i changed my mind so actually audience i did not watch it either yeah yeah uh, eliza you're better off he turned me off too much to it so i was actually looking forward to it from the trailer and he made me he made me change my mind (laughs) so it it takes this the idea is sandra oh is this um like second generation korean american woman she grew up being abused by her mom who would like electrocute her uh which you don't really understand why she would do something that drastic. I mean, that, that that's a fascinating type of abuse. You know, you don't hear about that kind of stuff often, but just, and then, so the Sandro character grows up traumatized, just lives a very reclusive lifestyle, like anti-technology because she's like afraid of electricity, raises her daughter. Uh, she sells honey, kind of like homemade honey. And um, one day her uncle comes and says like your mom has died and basically gives her gives her the ashes and then she basically the, the movie is about her being haunted and trying to exercise this demon i mean the problem with the movie is that it's trying to do the whole like jordan peele thing where they take uh, some kind of like racial reality thing whether like you know in this case i guess second generation issues with your first generation immigrant parents and turn that and into something kind of supernatural and horror movie like. But his movie can't seem to quite decide: Are you? Is it going to play it straight and just be this, you know, f- typical kind of uh, melodrama about parents and children, Asian American parents and children, or is it going to be going to really go push the boundaries and make this about some ghost thing and all that? And it, it kind of s- swerves back and forth from time to time. And the, the climax is essentially just an extensive therapy session. She's like talking to her mom's like, and, and and like poor Sandro, she should not have to act in Korean. It just does not sound good. I'm sure to non-speakers, she's, nobody will care. But as somebody who speaks the language, it just felt kind of 
degrading for her to talk like uh, a little kid, um, essentially. And she's just like, you know, mother, uh, you will no longer bully me and all that. And that, that's kind of how she defeats the ghost at the end. And it's, it's just very lame. Is but, this an A24 movie? Uh, I don't know. I do know that Sam Raimi, for whatever weird reason, produced it and seemed to be the big name behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it was A24, but it might have been. He's having a sure. very bad year, isn't he? Uh, what else? What else has he has he been? He did uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So bad. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Okay. No, it wasn't A twenty four. It seems like uh, Stage Six. It says or or something like that. Anyway, but uh, yeah, I, I don't want to talk more about the movie because it, it's not that good. Uh, it's on Netflix if you truly want to check it out for yourself, listeners. But I do want to bring it up because it is this trend of these like mommy issue movies and it's for whatever reason in the last year seems concentrated in asian american everything 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 everywhere all at once and turning red mommy issue turning red red. so much so that vox wrote a piece about it uh many months ago and i just find it very irritating because the message it's just like very millennial message of actually kids are right all the time your mom's a total bitch. Your dad's uh, a son of a bitch, and you do you because you're the best. Um, to be fair, or I haven't dad seen Turning is a Red. doofus. Mom is abusive. Yeah. Dad's a doofus. Right. Yeah. And the yeah the the anger seems to be more focused on the mother mm-hmm. rather than the dad. Um, and I and I think especially with like Asian Americans and, and both those actually no everything everywhere all at once was written by the the Daniels one of whom is. What's his name? Daniel Kwan. So he's a man. I'm, ge- I'm going to assume he wrote it as they wrote the movie as well as directed it. I'll just look it up just to verify. But, you know, Turning Red was written by and directed by uh, Domi Shi, who's a woman. She made Bao. Also, Bao is about another mommy issue thing. Not bad yeah. mom, though, is it? Right. But it is about It's a little more her... touching. Yeah. It's, it's like um, her not being able to let go and stuff. But she is until the end kind of an obstacle until she learns to let let her son go and all that so i don't know my my just take on it is it is it's like a self-serving take and hey you know what we're all guilty of it in our lives we always think we're right our parents are wrong and we're very annoyed by our parents i'm totally guilty of that i mean Hmm? it's something that was pointed out in um amy chua's battle hymn of the tiger mom is that she pointed out that in American culture, it's the child that leads the parent. It's the child that teaches the parent lessons. It's the child who was right. And she mm-hmm. always said that she was very against that. Like, no, <laughs> the parent teaches the child, the parent sets the example and the parent leads. And like, you know, what are you? Nine, 10 years old? What are you, a teenager? You don't know anything. I do. I have the life experience. And like, she's right. No, I, I agree with that as well. And that is totally against my interest because, you know, I get annoyed at my parents a lot. You know, I get well, annoyed at my does, mom and stuff. Like, right. We don't, we don't blame our mothers for every single thing, every wrong turn that we've ever made, you know? Right. Or like, if you do, that shit's for your journal. Like, if you are putting some <laughs> work of art out there that's the product of, you know, years hopefully years and years of 
thinking and like a message you want to send. If you're making something where actually in the end, I was right all along, that's just very juvenile. And I think it's very typical of this. I don't want to call it like a generational thing because like, you know, that's too easy. But I do think there's a specific type of person who feels entitled to, you know, become like screenwriters or writers or any like, oh, I'm, I'm so, I'm, my story is so important. They have a very inflated sense of themselves. They have no sense of humility. And I mean, that's why we see like the, the whyification um, of, mm-hmm. of all sorts of cultures because I'm always right. Uh, mom and dad, fuck you. Uh, I, mu- I must get the happy ending. Uh, I got to be in the spotlight. You know, it's, it's just like there's no sense of just self-criticism, self-reflection. I think that's... I just thought of something, which is the number one... Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's number one on uh, probably either Amazon or New York Times bestselling list. I don't even know what the difference is at this point. It's like the same people that put those, compile those lists. But um, mm-hmm. it's a book called... It's a memoir called I'm Glad My Mom Died. Oh, it's by the uh, Jenna McCurt something? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, she's not Asian. She's white. But mm-hmm. it goes in line with this. You know? Yeah. Pretty sure she's liberal. Granted, I think her mom really was horrible, but I mean, she's like one of those stage moms, right? When she really just and J- Jenna McCurdy was what was she in? Like one I of those Disney Carly, shows? I think no Nickelodeon. You're right. Oh, no, Nickelodeon. That, that place is fucked. Uh, so <laughs> I, I'm sure everything she has to say is totally right and everything, but I think I mean every a lot of people are right, but why is this so popular or something? Is that you got like a whole lot of generation of kids who want to always feel Hate their mothers that, or just all that like as i said no sense of humility and mm-hmm. they always think they're always right and they want the culture to constantly tell them yeah that time that you were like 10 and your parents wouldn't let you uh go to that sleepover with those like creepy older people uh <laughs> you were right that they were fucking motherfuckers and you should get to <laughs> curse them for the rest of your life you know that kind of shit i mean you see this with and i think i think like i'm, I'm gonna pull some grasp at some straws here but i do think you see like this type of writer who you know is probably like some 30 something millennial and they're always you, you know those like millennials versus gen z type of bullshit articles you see coming out every few months and you see like all these super insecure 30 something saying I don't understand this emoji. Uh, what does this latest uh, TikTok trend mean? How come I'm left out of it? Am I getting old? That kind of bullshit. And like a Taylor uh, Lorenz also, kind of thing? Yeah, that whole that whole breed of writer. And then there's also this deification of you know, the whole like Sunrise Movement kids and, and the Parkland kids. Like teenagers are going to save the world. Like, no, they're not. It's just, and, and the idea know, that- Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what, with TikTok? <laughs> With your TikTok dances. Yeah. Remember when those uh, K-pop stands um, messed up a Trump rally? Yes, it, I do. Yeah. The one in Dallas was, or something? Or I think it was in Oklahoma. I'm not sure. But it was Oklahoma. somewhere. And they, I think they bought up all the tickets. and Or, or not bought up, but they reserved all the tickets <laughs> and, and so that nobody could go. That was really funny. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. But then you got all these people saying... Oh my God! It's it like it's gonna be the Gen Z uh, thirteen year olds who are gonna save the world, and it's like first of all, that's not gonna happen. But I think it's also I think the internet is just getting 
more and more immature to the point where you got 30 year olds wishing they were like 13 year olds and, and the actual 13 <laughs> year olds getting uh praise like yeah i mean like greta thunberg i mean i i know very little about her but all i know is that she's kind of like a figurehead but you know th- that the idea that greta thunberg is going to solve climate change is just ludicrous and and i think it all contributes to this idea that actually uh the brats are always right and it gets reflected in our culture. Brats are always right. Yeah. It feeds into their brattiness. Yeah. And it, and and it, there's, uh, and I'm pretty sure if it's not already happened, there's going to be some, some thing where actually like being a rude brat is actually a praxis. And it's, it's actually uh, social justice to be completely rude to everyone and just act like, you know, you know what we, we used to make fun of as, as like the stupid teenager at the mall kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Whatever the, the equivalent of that is nowadays, is is actually going to be uh, the most righteous figure. It's, it's just, it's just like I I blame the fact that with things like economic security and even marriage being so difficult for people, you just mm-hmm. have nowhere else to go. So mm-hmm. everyone's. Everyone's still in like the mindset of like in their early twenties, regardless of what age you actually are. You got like forty year olds who have the mindset of of like someone in their twenties because there's nothing for them to go to, even if they wanted to. Millennials seem to be the most guilty of this, and like because Gen Z is still very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that millennials, because now that no, what what is the youngest millennial now? Uh, they've got to be at least thirty. Twenty seven. Right? No, no, maybe 27 like twenty seven is the youngest. Yeah. Okay, that's like that's close to thirty. So right. millennials are fully adults now, and so we can see it with them that it's definitely a millennial trait and a phenomenon. And um, the majority of people who act like that are millennials, right? Because if you're like say completely stunted, yeah. Uh, but I, I, I like I, as knowing as they are, I will not fully blame them because it's like generally in the past you would just kind of move on to your next phase of life usually marriage you'll buy a home Mm -hmm. you might move out of like your you know sharing with three other roommates type of apartment get like a house or at least your own apartment and buy a place that stuff is not really available for a lot of people or maybe it's only available but you got to move to someplace you really don't want to move to like you'd rather stay close to like say a city but technically you could buy a home, but you got to move to uh, Montana or something, which, hey, some people so might love to do. that's another thing. I would say that it's definitely a trend among city-dwelling millennials because I'm a millennial on the older side, and I would say that most of the people that live out here in the suburbs with me, Northern Maryland, that are my mm-hmm. age, like everyone owns their own home, single-family home. Everyone's got like the two-car garage. Right. Most people's kids go to private school. Like they are adulting the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. But that's also because like, you know, uh, you can get a 5,000 square foot house out here and like two acres of land for about 600,000. And uh, you just have a, like, you don't even have to be like a hedge funder or anything. Like you just have a regular job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but let's say you like no, I got I got I got to live in in like a big city or something. In that case, you're pretty much trapped. You're you're stuck in yourself then, especially then, if you don't have a job that pays a ton. Like if you're not a hedge fund guy or a doctor, you're not like a corporate lawyer. You know, you're not like working. You're not a, like a 
I don't know, something like a managing, managing director at a consultancy. Right. So you have none of the kind of like prestige and social standing that comes with age, which would be, you know, more land, more possessions, mm-hmm. a, a steady relationship, a family, uh, yet all the downsides, which is you, you probably look worse. You um, just are out of <laughs> Your touch. Your metabolism with a bunch of things. is changing. You're uh, balding. You yeah. Um, and you don't have as many friends because like you, you know, in school, you, you're always meeting new people and stuff. Dressing really trendy looks terrible on you because you right, look right, old. Right, right, you, right. You, like you just, it's like doesn't look good on. Stuff. So it's like, okay, so there's nothing good about getting older in that, in that mode. That's why they're always pining to, to be like a like a Tumblr teen or something because that's right because what typically the best is. part about getting older is the security that comes with economics like you have more money the older you get yeah you have a family is probably house, not a big thing you know? um yeah your kids you got- your kids are getting older and like it's fun to hang out with them now that you, they're not in diapers yeah so if you, you don't, don't have talk that, to them what- and like go places with them yeah or maybe like professional success like let's say you know some people don't want families some people might not even want to live in the suburbs but hey maybe they'll have a lot of money uh, a mm-hmm. lot of respect in their field they don't have that either so what do you have you're just like an old 20 something that's like nothing good going on so the old guy at the club yeah something like that like figuratively or literally and yeah so they they keep like more and more fetishizing youth because there, there's nothing they, they can't conceive of anything good uh, with getting older because it's just not available to them. Yeah, I would say that like the jocks that stayed in like the rural countryside or the suburbs, they might be doing better than some of the very media savvy nerd types that moved into the cities. You know, there's always that, like a long time ago, there was that phenomenon of like, you know, the jocks that can't let go of their high school football days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, but if you ask the media nerds, they'd be like, but I get to... Uh, I don't know. I'm sure they'll come up with a, the reason why they're actually better off, even though they have less money and less space and less. No partner, of- no family. <laughs> they don't own anything. Uh, yeah. We're gonna get emails for this. We're gonna get emails for this podcast too. <laughs> Speaking of, I guess, childhood and youth. Um, I I went to a Michelle Branch concert last night. Great, great concert. Uh, I saw her at Webster Hall, which I which is the same venue I saw her at five years ago um great time i had and she she's just like such a perfect just embodiment of kind of like early 2000s pop rock she went there was a major pr storm around her over the summer wasn't there did her husband leave her or something what happened she i don't know if maybe she was a fan but she revealed on twitter that he had cheated on her while she was pregnant same with emma radikowski right so that caused a big storm um also he's like this really just not attractive guy he's, he's the guy from the Same black with keys. emily radikowski her <laughs> husband's ugly and then he cheated on her isn't like, he some kind of um rich dude though at least i mean i'm gonna guess because he's gross yeah. it's like how else does he marry someone so beautiful and like right. she had his baby and everything yeah, well, she's with Brad but Pitt But you know now, what she won because, yeah, she's with Brad Pitt. So, you know, it's a win-win for her, I guess. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, like Michelle Branch's like, greatest hits are such a perfect, like the most perfect pop rock songs of that era, I think. But anyway, 
I, I just found being at a concert a contradiction because A, I you and I, we both loathe like millennialness so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I listen to like We are millennials though. Well, exactly. We're self-hating millennials. I'm I'm perfectly fine admitting <laughs> that. But you go to like her show and you're just like for a moment, you're like, you know what? Late nineties, early two thousands, even mid two thousands, those were the days. But those weren't the days, because if they were the days, they wouldn't have produced millennial culture that we loathe so much so i just think that's a you know how, can you really be nostalgic for an era that produced a culture you hate i mean that doesn't seem to make sense so what no, you're really longing so. for is Mm-mm. what you're really longing for is ignorance because at the time sure it probably felt great in fact that's probably why people i longed long for the for 80s it. and like i was what i was for half the 80s i was a toddler yeah you barely remember the 80s right but i think that's why it works because nostalgia is really about ignorance. Like you want to be back in like 2001 because let's say you're like an Asian American. You're like, you know what? 2001, I really believe that we were all colorblind and I wouldn't have to worry <laughs> about this. Like, you know, are, are you like blue checks and, uh, and, and, you know, other like anti-Asian, like explicit anti-Asian racism or just kind of like covert blue, uh, self-hating blue check uh, anti-Asian racism. I didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> I honestly thought I was going to go off to college. Everything was going to be great. I was going to, you know, meet the best friends I ever had, that kind of stuff. And that music reminds you of that era. Uh, But then you realize, wait a minute, all that era is what produced all the bullshit that I hate now. So (laughs) it doesn't make sense to be nostalgic for that era. But it does make sense, I guess, to be nostalgic for the ignorance. I will always be nostalgic for the 80s. There is no, there is no, uh, it's a decade I barely remember and barely lived through. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that I like the most. I like the music. I like, I like the aesthetics. I like all mm-hmm. the tech. I like how all of it looks. I like that retro like futurism. Yeah. And the and the power glove. The the Nintendo. What was it? Nintendo. They had, they had the power glove thing. That was a miserable failure. But hey, it was, it was a cool idea. They really. I like um, Duck Hunt. Oh, what yeah, was the other one? Power Pad. Remember uh, that thing? You would like stomp on it or run on it. Was it like was it Dance Dance Pad? Revolution then? Well, except that you didn't. I don't think that game existed. I, I want to look. Mm-hmm. Someone will have to just email us because I'm not. I don't feel like looking it up on Google right now. Someone- Liza, I know you said you had a hard stop at seven. So I, I want to get to this last point you put on the outline about uh, the the Bernie the right or right wing to Bernie pipeline and and vice versa. <laughs> So I, I listened recently to um, a Red Scare podcast, and I, the last time I listened to them was probably to 2019 when Bernie Sanders was still campaigning for president. And um, they are like totally right wing now, aren't they? Like the last yeah. episode that I was listening to, they were going on and on about the Martha's Vineyard thing, and they are just straight up anti-immigration. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about how everyone really talks about like that Bernie to right wing pipeline or like the Bernie to Trump pipeline. And that's Mm -hmm. wrong. There isn't one. There is no Bernie to Trump pipeline. There's no Bernie to right wing pipeline. The pipeline, the real phenomenon that people should pay more attention to is the right wing to Bernie pipeline. You could even Mm -hmm. call it a Trump to Bernie pipeline. Bernie isn't, he's not some gateway drug to right-wing politics, which is how NPR libs love to portray him, you know, by, mm-hmm. by pointing out a so-called phenomenon like Bernie to right-wing or Bernie to Trump. 
the people who people like the red scare girls who supported him, I suspect were always right wing, but they really liked his anti-corporatism messaging and Medicare for all. Like the girls didn't change. They were always socially conservative. And like, I know this because I'm one of them. I'm pretty conservative. Like I liked Bernie. And now that Bernie's gone, it's like, well, I guess I'm just back to being conservative and like, I don't know, not voting. Yeah, there, there's an episode where one of the hosts, Dasha, says, yeah, she, her main thing about Bernie was she just wanted free health care while she pursued her acting career, which is... she the is, trad calf? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, no, Liza, you're right. I think um, that, but I do think that the, like the, the party insider types, the, the real political types did know that was going on, which is why they loathed. Uh, or like the media types, they loathed Bernie so much is because, okay, if Bernie wins... He was the all true people, populist. Well, all these people we hate, which is like either politically kind of apathetic, maybe slightly right-wingy type of people or outright right-wingers. If Bernie wins, they get to... Suburban hop- stay-at-home moms like me. <laughs> right. They get to join the party. Uh, they Well, not, not like literally a political... Well, actually, no, that too. But they get to benefit and they don't deserve that because we are the ones who were basically on the right side of history. We should get the rewards. Only us. We don't want to share. Um, that's why, like, I remember, like, in 2016, like, the sense I got with things like um, the resistance, like, Medicare for all and that kind of thing is always, yeah, like, most people benefit, but, you know, like, we've got to find a way to punish the, the bad people. Like, we can't let them also benefit. You can't if have something... health care unless you have liberalism first. <laughs> or, or something like that. It's like, well, yeah, but what, what about those racists uh, and, and those those misogynists who live in name some, like, place they don't like? Like, they don't really deserve all this. Like, why should, why should we work hard so they can live well? They need to repent. They need to submit. They need to genuflect before us before we give them their anything. mistake is thinking that people right-wingers who supported bernie cared about race as much as they did that was their mistake yeah i mean yeah i think i think generally speaking the the less money you have money is more what you care about because you don't have time it's like you're these like luxury beliefs like you Are don't really have time. poor though um i th- no 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 that's that's a decent point i was thinking more of like like genuine because both people, parties not like are culturally like, they, they class. cross all the classes. Yeah. But, you know, when, when you're talking about, you know, out of work Midwestern types, um, yeah, you'll have like, you know, do those rich people, people in Arizona. Like, do the do the really poor people vote? I mean, well, that, that was that the theory kind of the behind, behind Bernie and even Trump that, hey, if you excite them enough or at least get them angry enough to vote against like a Hillary Clinton, they will show up uh, just enough to give you the edge. But um, funny thing, in the Discord, someone shared uh, this post from the, the Rescare sub, uh, uh, the subreddit where they were like, why are there so many Asian male listeners to this podcast? Now, I don't know if that's factually true. <laughs> and do we even have I, that kind of data? Like, how do we look that up? Yeah, I don't know. But I, I feel Our like... demographics. I don't know. I just feel like... Because I, I started listening a, a couple of years ago and... And and back then it was still like kind of a weird thing, but now at least in the Discord, I got like we got people in there like uh, sharing all this stuff from there. I'm like, are they really just talking about like me and maybe a few other planning people in there? But somebody had a really good answer saying that the the primary uh, one of the big t- uh, 
like audience demographics for this pod is like well-educated people who hate woke culture and that that covers a lot of asian guys and i'm like that makes sense if you, especially if you're like a straight asian guy your yeah. chances are you're probably yeah. like decently educated but you hate woke culture because it does nothing for you and it's kind of like run by these like asian women who just who hate you like and all like date white guys and try they to have blame down asian men yeah so what do you what like sympathy or alliance do you feel with this and so but you also can't identify with the mega people because that's like so culturally alien because ultimately you did go to like a ivy league or or, a, or like a ucla or like you know like a good college so you are surrounded culturally you are much more comfortable even if you hate them among liberals rather than uh, mega types uh, huh. so uh, uh. so i think a place like that subreddit is this weird place where you're like okay these people hate this kind of woke culture just like me but they're not magas which is very when i met all you guys about what five six years ago how many mm-hmm. years has it been now i would say what six uh, years ago yeah 2017 yeah when I met all you guys, you guys were the ones that told me that most Asian people were more liberal or like Democrat voting, because my experience where I grew up with all the Filipino and the Indian people and like the Vietnamese people, like they were all pretty conservative. They were mm-hmm. like Bush voters. Well, I mean, like, and then they Asian voted Americans Romney. Do, I mean, Asian Americans do overwhelmingly vote democrat like 70 to 75 percent but mm-hmm. i mean we could see that slipping um i think that is entirely possible i think we've already kind of started seeing some of that i guess i just hung out in a very uh i guess i just hung out in a pocket of vietnamese indian and filipino people that just were super conservative yeah also like a lot of asian americans don't vote so that 70 75 percent yeah that's true too what, is, what does that even them, mean a lot of them lean conservative but then like my guess is that they might not have gone out to vote. I don't know. Yeah, or especially if you live in a, a state that. I mean, it is true that. Matter. I would say that they are like. I guess if I had to really dig deep and like really go through my memories, I would say that they're like conservatives, but not very political. Yeah. Just it's didn't really like, care either way. Let's say you're like a conservative. Asian American living in California, you're like, it's hopeless. It's like, especially at the presidential level and maybe at the local level, you're like, I don't care who's my uh, local counselor, like whatever, I don't care. I'm just going to go about my life. So yeah, if, if let's say there was like mandatory voting, I'd be very surprised. I'd be very interested in what the Asian American breakdown would be. Like if you, if you could just like I vote do. on your phones or something <laughs> and maybe would it was people like, people be honest about it though. Well, let's I mean, say remember like, during remember during like twenty the election of um twenty sixteen, where they like tons of people said that they were going to vote for Hillary, but that's not what actually happened at the polls. Right. So I would say let, let's say there's some technology. So are people could... telling the truth? Because if you damn conservative voters that much, they're not going to be honest about who they vote for. Right. So I mean, this is probably highly illegal, but let's just say like if you vote on your phone, your phone like records that and it, it not like, oh, John Chan voted for something, but to say like one person who's Asian voted for a Democrat, Republican, gathers all that data. Let's say there was mandatory voting. And let's say instead of electoral college, it was just like total raw total. So everyone has an incentive to vote. They're not going to be, oh, I live in um louisiana what the hell i I, my vote doesn't count they're not going to say that i'd be i'd be interested what the breakdown would be like you know Mm -hmm. it's like yeah 
Uh, Liza, do you have to go now? Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, good episode. Yeah, I think we covered everything we wanted to cover. And as I said, always a pleasure potting with you, Liza. Listeners. As Are I said, you even going to see Little Mermaid? No, I'm not going <laughs> to see it. But I will follow the drama with popcorn in hand. I am too. I, I, I will probably... You know what? They'll, they'll probably... What they should do is re-release the animated version. I bet people will, will go really go see that because, I mean, that that's a really good movie. It's Despite, streaming it's, on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, but that's not the same. You know, gotta see in the theaters. <laughs> All right. Okay, uh, Liza, have a great night. And listeners, thank you for listening. We'll be back with a makeup bonus sometime in the near future. Don't worry about it. All right, until then. Bye, everyone. Bye.